Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis, and today I'm joined by Pastor Drew Ritter uh, once again, who's the pastor of Livingstone Church of the Nazarene in Verona, Virginia. Pastor Drew, it's good to have you again. How are you doing today? Thanks, Grayson. It's good to be back. I'm doing really great today. Thank you. Glad to hear. And uh, also, I'd like to invite you after this broadcast today, if you weren't able to catch last Sunday's program and Pastor Drew's, the first part of his testimony, I invite you after this broadcast to visit our website, frontporchtalks.org. And uh, the first part was WBTX program, August 2nd. So feel free to go back and listen to that if you didn't catch it last Sunday. Pastor Drew, you told us last week that you're from Harrisonburg, from the Shenandoah Valley, and uh, that you uh, went to college at Virginia Tech and studied architecture. Then uh, you had a job in uh, Philadelphia for a few years before moving back to the Valley. And we'll get into part two, so we don't need to get into all that, but anything that you would like to maybe summarize what you shared last week just before we continue with your testimony. Okay. Well, I feel a little bad taking up two shows, by the way, Grayson, but right. when you interview old people, they have a lot more life to talk about. So that's what it is. <laughs> when we met last time, we talked about, like you said, growing up here and uh, how I never really rebelled per se in the classic sense that you think of like pushing back against my right. faith but I did back away in as if putting it on hold right I just sort of put it on pause for a while I never uh, rejected God in my life uh, so I, I suppose that that was God's provenient grace working that I never really fought against God but sometimes I would tune him out and so uh, my early life would be well described that way and you also told a neat story about being in church and seeing in a stained glass in one of the windows in the church was a depiction of Jesus on the cross, I believe you said. Right. And uh, you said, as an architecture, you went, I guess, after church one day and sat in different pews, different places, and there were no place where the eyes of Jesus were not looking directly at you. That's right. Yeah, and, that's exactly right. And you said at the time you didn't really maybe necessarily think a whole lot about it, but now that you're older and wiser and you can look back on that, um, just noticing that's how God is with each and every one of us all the time, that he loves us and that he cares about us. And you finished off last week talking about a group of guys some teenagers that you had engaged when you were in Philadelphia in a Bible study. And I believe you said, uh, the guy that led the Bible study said, who's going to engage these guys? And then kind of went on with the topic, per se. And, and that really stuck out to you. You didn't really remember what else was shared that night. But needless to say, that led to more intentional conversation with these boys, which they had never really had before. So if you want to maybe share a little bit of into that since that's where we kind of let off last week sharing about that sure Grayson I um up until that point in my life I would say that God had been uh inviting me into his story right and I had sort of 
tangentially been entertaining the idea. I would listen. If I needed God, I would pray. If I got in some sort of trouble, I would look out for God. But then at that moment, early adulthood moment in my life, is kind of where we left off at the last, the last time I was here, God started to enter my story and make it clear to me that it's the same story. His story and my story. What he wanted was for right. my story to be part of his story. Right. And I hadn't ever gotten that before. And that if I would put my story in line with his story, then maybe that could have some effect on some other people's story. Right. It was the first time I'd ever thought about it that way. So uh, it was really, you know, young adulthood. I was single, living in a big city for a little while. And it was really a lot changed. The Lord really made himself very clear to me. And, and maybe it was the first time that I had opened my eyes enough to recognize how abundantly clear he was trying to get my attention. So we had that Bible study with those young people. I got married. We talked about that, I think. Right. Married my, uh, my sweetheart from preschool, which was, I didn't, we didn't get into that, but Kathy and I have right. known each other since we were toddlers. And uh, she was just always my best friend. So uh, the Lord kept us together. Uh, so we got married, and, and she moved and joined me in Philadelphia. And she got involved in a ladies' Bible study that was made up of the wives of all the men that were in the right. men's Bible study that I was in. Uh, so it was really a powerful time, but a lot of growth, tremendous growth for us spiritually. And, uh, and it was great. Really, the Lord was working. And then it became pretty clear that we were meant to move back to the valley in lots of different ways. It was just really undeniable. And so an opportunity opened up for me to return back to Harrisonburg and work in an architecture firm here. And it was hard. It was hard leaving. I mean, we, the city was nice, but what was really hard was leaving all of our friends right. and our church family there. But we just knew that it was time to uh, go to the next chapter. Right. So we came back to Harrisonburg. And I, again, we talked about this a little bit last time. I just assumed that God wanted me to be a good guy. Right. And uh, maybe be a Sunday school teacher for the young people and kind of work them through the awkward years. Right. <laughs> uh, just try to keep people, you know, arrange things in such a way that more young people would have an opportunity like I had as a young right. person to be exposed to the voice of God. So what was really important to me was that uh, young people in that sometimes the teenage years can be tumultuous right. for people. And uh, so I was hoping that and assuming that what God had in mind for me to do was to be a professional working in architecture and be a Sunday school teacher for young people and just give them ears to listen for the voice of God. And I thought that was just it. That was what God had in store for me. And that was good. It made me happy. Right. And so I did that for a while. And that was, I just figured that was it. And so time passed and, and the Lord blessed uh, Kathy and I with a couple children. And um, that didn't go trouble-free uh, exactly. I don't know that we really need to get into all that, but mm -hmm. we ended up with two. And... <laughs> I joke a lot saying that nothing will drive you to Jesus faster than a baby, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe a teenager of your own. I'm not sure, but uh, no, we have two wonderful daughters. Uh, one of them is engaged 
now to be married soon. So that's, uh, you know, a lot of things. And still, and I figured in my, that I was to be a teacher for young people on Sundays and that was it. And that, you know, raised my family to be Bible literate, good people. And then through a course of events that can only be described as prevenient grace, we moved for a couple months we moved in next to a pastor, and uh, maybe you're aware of him. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> we moved in next door to the Willis house. That's where I first met Grayson as a young wee tot, and those were good. We lived there for several months in the winter, um, and it was transformational in ways that I wouldn't have guessed. We didn't, it's not like we went to Bible study with your parents. We didn't even start coming to church with your parents until after that season. Um, but there was just, it was undeniable that God was at work. You mean uh, scraping ice off the car in the driveway next to the other driveway is not a Bible study? Well, some mornings it was. <laughs> there were mornings when uh, I would be scraping the windshield of the red Chevy and Carrie Willis would be scraping the ice off the windshield of the red Ford and we would jab each other about our brands. <laughs> And then we would talk about nothing, and sometimes we would talk about something. And (laughs) sometimes we would talk about things that didn't seem like much at the moment, but as time revealed, there was great depth in the relationship that was forming there on the twin driveways. And it became clear that we needed uh, a different level of spiritual depth than we had at that point. And... um, so we decided that we would come to the Church of the Nazarene and give it a try. And at that time, I think the Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene had a weekly attendance of about 500. And I told my wife that that was just crazy. There's no way that I can go to a church with 500 people. That's just too many people. <laughs> and God had other plans. So we came, we attended one worship service, and then there was the annual men's retreat. Right was coming up. So I had been to one worship service and your dad, Carrie Willis, convinced me to come on men's retreat. And of the people that went on men's retreat, I knew your dad. That was it. One guy. And I can't remember how many, there was maybe 80 men that went on this trip to Ocracoke. And of course it was Ocracoke. And as we, right. we discussed last time, right. I have a sort of a special thing for Ocracoke. Anyway. So did we. Yeah. I mean, it's a spiritual place. Yeah. For some of, for a lot of us, yeah. really, honestly, right. yeah. for a lot of us, Ocracoke is holy ground. Right. I don't know if it's some sort of like a satellite dish where God mm-hmm. communication just hones in right on mm-hmm. Ocracoke, what it is about Ocracoke, but it's a holy place as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so I went on this, on this men's retreat, and it was transformational for me. And we became Nazarenes in our hearts after being connected with the church through the men's retreat. I have a quick story about that that I think is kind of silly. If you listen to the last show, you would know that I bait God. Now, I'm not proud of that. It's just a fact. I do it. I'll throw out a fleece. And again, you know, like Gideon, throw out a a fleece and see what God will do. I'm not suggesting that you should do this. This isn't prescriptive. I'm just admitting to you that that's what I do. So... Carrie told me, Carrie Willis told me before I went on men's retreat, I was telling him that I was shy and introverted 
and I was concerned about being alone on an island with all of these men that I don't know. And he said to me, you will have a meaningful conversation with everybody that you will allow yourself to have a meaningful conversation with. And I thought to myself, well, you don't know me very well. Because really, at that point, I know this is hard to imagine because you know me pretty well, but I actually was pretty shy in those days, as particularly with people that I don't know very well. So I picked somebody that I would not have a meaningful conversation with. I just knew that I was not going to have a meaningful conversation with this guy. And I don't know if I can say this or not, but I'm just going to. His name is Fred Hens. Uh-huh. And... He was an older gentleman who spoke with a little bit of a, of a, like a European accent. And I was young, and I just didn't see that we would have anything to talk about. So I picked him, and I said, I'm not going to have a conversation with this guy. And so, sure enough, I baited God well enough. At the inn there on Ocracoke Island, the Anchorage Inn, there's a uh-huh. little boardwalk that walks out through the parking lot. Uh-huh. And I had a bag of trail mix and a bottle of Gatorade and I was sitting on the tailgate of my Suburban in the parking lot by myself, I sometimes say minding my own business, (laughs) there in the parking lot and I had backed the car up to this little boardwalk. Well, Fred Hens came walking down along this boardwalk and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well this is the guy that I am not going to have a meaningful conversation with. And sure enough, as soon as he got to me, He tripped on a board and landed on my lap on the tailgate of my truck. And he kind of got up and he straightened himself off. And instead of walking on, he sat down on the tailgate of my truck. And we had a delightful conversation about how God had worked in our lives. And we had something in common. We had both gone by other names, nicknames in our lives. And when... God had moved on us. I was always known as Andy as a child. And uh, when I was a teenager, again, we talked about this in the last episode. When I was a teenager, had a pretty profound conversation with the Lord. I don't know, circumstance with the Lord. And I decided that I wanted to be known as Drew. I wanted my life to be different, so much so that I wanted to be called by a different name. And somehow that came up. That Fred had gone by that too. His name's actually Walter, and he decided to go by his middle name after he came to know Jesus. Yeah. Weird yeah. to have these things in common. Right. And then I baited God, and I said, I'm not going to have a conversation with this guy. But sure enough, we did. And he's a wonderful man, and I'm embarrassed to say that I had ever thought that. But anyway, Ocracoke turned out to be a really powerful place, and uh, love to go back there because of memories like that. Right. And because... You know, one of the things that we need to do in our lives is go back to these milestones. We need to have these markers, these Ebenezers, if you will, in our lives where, you know, things happened that are really, maybe didn't seem significant in the moment, but really were transformational. Right. Looking backwards. And we need to go back and revisit those things and talk about those things. And so by the time... I was in my mid-20s, I was starting to recognize that God really is, well, God really is. You know, these aren't just stories. Right. And these things that I have 
taken for granted or maybe written off as my imagination. This really is God working. It's not by accident. Yeah, God's really up to something. And when I think I hear God's voice, or even when I think I might have heard God's voice, you know, maybe I really did hear God say something to me. So I think we're too quick to write these kinds of things off. And I think by that time in my life, I was starting to recognize God really is working. And he really does have a plan. And maybe I should let him have mine. Or maybe I should just line up with his plan. So, okay, how did I get... Are you curious? I don't know how we got from there to here. (laughs) I have lots of silly little stories. All good. Silly Silly to you, maybe. Silly little stories. Um, (laughs) When my... I told you I had a couple kids. When they were little girls decorating for Christmas... I think the youngest one might have been two or three, which would have made the older one six. Um, Decorating for Christmas one year, they were sitting on the floor in the living room, and I was in the kitchen with a string of wayward Christmas lights that were being argumentative. And I was getting really irritated. It's a way to lose your religion is messing with Christmas lights. Yeah, that's an excellent (laughs) test of your faith. And they weren't working, and I was getting mad, and... Uh, I think I was kind of fussing at the girls because they were playing with the Christmas decorations rather than decorating. We had Christmas decorations that were child-friendly that they could set out and play with. They were doing that. They were playing with them. They weren't decorating, and I'm not at all proud to say this, but it's true. I was getting irritated because they weren't decorating. They were playing and watching them play, and I was just overtaken with the idea, wait a minute, they're going to grow up. This is actually moving on me right now because I told you at the beginning of the show, one of them is getting married. This season isn't going to last forever. They're going to grow up. And this will be a distant memory. And you will want to make sure that they had enough time to play. And they're playing with Christian toys. They're playing with the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and sheep and shepherds. Let them play. Let them get comfortable with Jesus. And they want to play with Jesus. And so I had this moment, and I just, I just said a little prayer. Lord, please fulfill the potential you have put into those little women. May they become everything that you have in store for them. And it was one of those moments where, again, your dad always says this. It wasn't audible. It was more powerful than that. It's louder than that. It was louder than that. I felt the Lord respond in my spirit, okay. What about the potential I've put in you? And it totally rocked my world. And I looked down, and all the Christmas lights were on in my hands. They had just come on during the little... I wasn't doing anything, and the lights had just come on. And it was like the light came on. Okay, there's more. There's more than just being a good guy. Right. And maybe God has called me to something more specific than just generally being a road sign that says Jesus is this way. Right. Uh, So... There were a whole, I mean, I could do this for a week, talking about all of the, the various. God had to send me a lot of signs. Right. I'm not proud of that. That's not prescriptive, but that's just, that's, I'm a little dense. God had to show me a lot of signs before I finally agreed, okay, you're calling me into ministry, and I'm going to do it. And I did. So I finally just released, and, and, I, and that was a slow release. Like, I agreed that I should go to college and take some classes in ministry because maybe it'll make me a better Sunday school teacher. Right. 
or maybe it'll make me a better Bible study leader. Um, it was still kind of a slow burn for me. Like I, I kept using these safety nets where if this doesn't work, you know, I have a good job, I have a career, and so I don't really, this is just something I'll do as a hobby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, this sounds kind of weird, but I really enjoy designing buildings. It's fun. And solving the problems that are involved with construction is fun. And, you know, at, at risk of sounding too strong, I'm pretty good at it. But it just wasn't satisfying. I just knew that wasn't what I'm really about. And I think the Lord has many, many times over used that construction background as a catalyst to teach me spiritual and theological truth by construction metaphors and things. I just needed to understand some things uh, about the realities and about physicalities of the world in order for me to be able to get the spiritual depth of things that otherwise I just wouldn't get into. So finally, I just agreed with God and I said, okay, fine. And it really was like, it was a crisis moment where I finally just said, fine, all right. You want me to preach, I'll preach. But you're going to have to work it out because I just can't do this. Um, and I, I just, I finally agreed with him. And I said, if you want me to stop doing architecture and you want me to be a pastor, you're going to have to work that out. You're going to have to work all that out. You're going to make it pretty clear because I'm making good money and I'm really good at this. Right. And so you're going to have to convince me that this is not what I'm supposed to do. Well, that was in 2009. And I don't know if you know anything about 2009, or if you remember, because you were just yeah. a wee tot, but um, the economy disintegrated yeah. in 2009. That was the year I graduated college, so <laughs> perfect timing there. The, yeah, it was uh, really, I went from, and it, it, it wasn't like a fade. It was like jumping off a cliff. Yeah. Everything was great, and then it just wasn't. And I worked hard for a year and didn't get paid at all. And so I have a couple other stories that are involved with that, if you'll let me, because it's just, we, we went from good money, good, comfortable life, everything is great, to no money. And of course, that's a shock to go from, you know, you have everything planned out to you have nothing. And I had committed to the Lord that I would do whatever he wanted. And I just got back from him and from scripture, of course, if you Commit to the Lord everything. He will right. take care of you and make your path straight. So we went for three years, and our vehicles didn't break down. In fact, for four years in a row, my mechanic told me that my vehicle was going to need new brakes next year. And after four years, he said, if I didn't know better, I'd say your brakes are better than they were four years ago. I don't know what's going on. Actually, he looked at me and said, you do use the brakes on this thing, right? Because the mileage keeps going up, but the brakes are not wearing out. And there, I can tell you so many stories like that, where things should have been diminishing, but they were increasing. And we didn't reduce our tithe at all. We tithed on percentage of the good times, and we continued to give at that level, and we never lacked for anything Right. in that season. Like, God just provided for everything. And really fortified us in ways that we needed in the realities of life because launching out and planting a new church requires right. faith that right. God is... There's just so much you don't see. Right. There's so many things you do. We launched, as you know, we, launched right. a, we planted a new church of the Nazarene 
in Verona five years ago right. with nothing. And that was a plant out of Harrisonburg first. Right, it was a plant from Harrisonburg first, and we started meeting in the fire station, and we had a few people and a good idea and what we believed was a calling from God. And I needed to learn how to lead without knowing where we're going. Right. And without knowing where the money's coming from and without knowing where the various things are going to come from. And that has, because of those early years and the things that God showed me through even my denseness, the things that he taught me and my wife and my family right. and really prepared us for a whole lot of this stuff that we wouldn't have seen coming. Uh, for example, we've been meeting in the fire station for years. We just bought a new building. We signed mm-hmm. a contract on a building to meet in two weeks before the corona shut down. That's not coincidence. That's not coincidence, and it's not cool. <laughs> but what God has done for us in that season as a church family has been amazing. We had been doing uh, streaming, live streaming for over a year, so that was pretty easy. I just started just streaming church out of my study in my home, and we were already set up for that, which was great. Um, lots of churches have really struggled, and I don't minimize that at all, during this whole pandemic that we've gone through this year. We've actually had record giving through the pandemic. Praise God. Hallelujah. All glory to God. And in the meantime, the closing on our new building has been delayed. So, I mean, I hate to brag about this, but we're not paying rent and we're not paying a mortgage. And they're letting us meet there for free. So now that we have started meeting back, we... After the quarantine loosened up, we moved into phase two. We started to meet together and worship together in the new space. So that was the first time, and from then on, we've been in our new space. And it's been awesome to see how God has provided. And the new space is so big that all of us can show up and still not be at 50%. So there's plenty of room. It's just amazing how God has worked all this out. And if, if we weren't able to look back and see how God had provided throughout all of our lives, I would have never signed up for this gig because, <laughs> you know, you just we need to know that. We need to appreciate that. So anyway, I know lots and lots to say. Uh, exciting things to say. But we, we just, God is good all the time. And, and all the time. All the time God is good. And I feel like I didn't really have anything to say, but hopefully I had something that was of some value to somebody. If you're looking at... What God is, what you feel like God is asking you to do, and you don't see it, how it's going to happen? Good, because God has trust. Because what God has for you is better than what you could come up with. Amen. On well, Pastor Drew, thank you for joining me again today, and I'm glad you didn't have anything to share. You said that at the beginning of our our first uh, recording, so the first part of your testimony, you said the reason you had kind of put me off for a while is you didn't think you had anything important to share. I believe you said you had lived a boring life, and so now you've shared an hour's worth. So uh, thank you for being willing to join us again today, and uh uh, it's cool to see what God's doing in your life, what He has done in your life, and the journey He's taken you on. And I think so much of what you said is true for all of us as Christians. You know, if we knew what we were signing up for, we probably wouldn't have signed up for it. Well, that's why God doesn't let us know, uh-huh. you know, years in advance, months in advance, because if we knew what we'd go through, we probably wouldn't choose to go down that road, but we know we're better for it looking back. Think of what we would miss right? if yes. we didn't trust him and right. just go. 
Right. So uh, just in closing, any other thoughts that you might want to share, anything that you haven't mentioned already or anything that I haven't asked you already that you would like to share? That's a frightening question because we could go to another episode. (laughs) Uh, Just, you know, whatever, if you're looking and you think your life is boring, um, just understand that it may be boring to you, but it may not be boring to somebody else. And your story is worth sharing. And God gave you your story to share. So share your story. Amen. And as part of your story today, you shared about planting a church in Verona and then signing a lease on a building just a couple weeks before all the stuff with the coronavirus. But you didn't actually give us the address of your new building there. So would you like to share that in closing? Yes, thank you very much. We now meet at 1111 Laurel Hill Road. Four ones. 1111 Laurel Hill Road. Verona, Virginia, and the website is livingstonenaz.org. If you're interested in uh, more information about that, we were talking about story. One thing I would like to say, if I may, your story is supposed to be connected with the greater story of all believers. So if you're not a part of a family of believers, become a part of a family of believers. And if you're in Northern Augusta County, I know a great family that would be happy to have you. Well, uh, thank you for that invitation, and thank you for sharing, Pastor Drew, and uh, thank you for joining me again today on Front Porch Talks. Thank you, Grayson. It's been good to have you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I pray the second part of Pastor Drew Ritter's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.